Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Morning. This is the California Report. I'm Mari Bolaños in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom recently signed into law legislation that creates a program that he says will transform how California helps its most seriously mentally ill residents. It's called Care Courts. And this county-based initiative will combine teams of outreach workers and therapists with civil courts. Those are courts where judges will have the power to order people into treatment if necessary. It's a pretty controversial proposal, but seven California counties have volunteered to implement the care court system first, with the deadline for full setup being October of next year. So the clock is ticking. My California Report co-host Saul Gonzalez talked about the nitty-gritty work ahead with Veronica Kelly, the head of Orange County's mental health agency. Kelly started by explaining why Orange County wanted to be among the first counties to establish a care court. We are a county that has been doing assisted outpatient treatment, which is similar, since 2014. We have a lot of experience. We have an amazing relationship with our superior court, as well as our public defender, who are key to care court functioning. So essentially, you think you have the infrastructure already in place to carry this out? Our biggest concern certainly would be workforce. Uh, We are anticipating needing to hire 10 people to staff this up for behavioral health. Public defender is going to need to hire about eight people. The key for us is going to be ongoing funding, and that really is one of the reasons we wanted to opt in early. So we can leverage our experience and then share that experience with the governor so we can say this will work, but this is what we need. What's a three o'clock in the morning thought that you have about establishing care court? A staff. Having somebody want to work in this space is very difficult. We are working with people who have the most severe illness. They are meeting us on the worst day of their life. It's very different than someone who's going to do uh, telehealth with a, you know, a healthy neurotic person, someone who just has basic you know, concerns about their life. This is a very different space. And that's the concern I have is where am I going to be able to hire 10 new staff, and who are not afraid of our our clients, who want to work in this space, who can work with the judges and our public defender, the court system. So that's the big concern I have is hiring staff. What would be a care court success to you? I think in a word, success for someone entering care court would be stability, that they would come into care court and um, be activated into treatment, so start treatment, They would receive 
evaluation to see if they needed medication, if their medication needed to be changed, if they could have um, outpatient treatment so that they could learn coping skills, how to manage their symptoms, that we would invite the family in so that the family could understand how to support that person in their recovery from mental illness, and that that person would leave better than they, they entered the system. Again, that was Orange County Mental Health Director Veronica Kelly. The other California counties that will be the first to set up care courts are Riverside, San Diego, San Francisco, Stanislaus, Tuolumne, and Glen Counties. There are many civil liberty concerns about care courts. Stay tuned for our continuing coverage of that in the weeks and months ahead. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Thousands of California's poorest families could miss out on a child tax credit that became available during the pandemic. CalMatters Wendy Fry explains. So normally to be eligible for this child tax credit, you have to make a certain minimum income. And what the federal government did for the 2021 tax year is they removed that minimum income requirement. So that means if you make very, very low income, even just $5,000, you're still eligible for the child tax credit. However, people who are in that very low income bracket Normally, they don't have to file their federal tax returns. So that's why they may be unaware that this credit is available and leaving that money on the table. That was CalMatters reporter Wendy Fry. Californians have until November 17th to file for these tax credits. You can read more at calmatters.org. Back in March, dancers at a strip club in Los Angeles walked off the job protesting unsafe working conditions. In August, they filed a petition to unionize, vying to become the only unionized strip club in the U.S. Finally, Monday afternoon, the dancers had their union election. KCRW's Robin Estrin attended via Zoom and has the story. The dancers of Star Garden Topless Dive Bar brought bottles of champagne to the vote count, anticipating a victory. What they got instead was a delay. After an hour of closed discussion between management and union lawyers, a representative from the National Labor Relations Board announced that 16 of the 18 ballots cast by dancers had been challenged. Kate Schindel, president of Actors' Equity Association, the union representing the dancers, called it a common delay tactic. We can assume that the employer 
is continuing to challenge whether or not these dancers ever worked at Star Garden. We're going to have a hearing. We're confident that we're going to win. Velveeta, a Star Garden dancer, said the inconclusive result shows what the dancers have been up against since the beginning. We have not been treated as workers with rights. They want to erase us as workers. They want to pretend like we don't exist or that we're negligible or we're interchangeable. And we are definitively saying, no, you have to count us. Velveeta believes all the challenged ballots represent votes in favor of the union and that they will be counted. It's just going to take some more time. For The California Report, I'm Robin Estrin in Los Angeles. Lawyers for Star Garden appear to be arguing that the dancers are independent contractors, not employees who have the right to unionize. In a statement, lawyer John Linker said the challenge ballots were cast by individuals who were, quote, never employees of Star Garden. And that's this edition of the California Report for Tuesday, November 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember to tune in this week to this show and your local public radio station for election coverage and results in your part of California. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at SchmidtOcean.org. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.